Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by ProTranscript.com. ProTranscript.com transcribes every podcast show that I do. If you guys go to EssentialTennis.com, click on Podcast, and there's a little drop-down menu that says Transcripts. You can go to the Transcripts blog, and from there you can read the transcripts of each show on the website or download them as Kindle files, Word files, PDF files, so you can take the uh, podcast with you and read it if you'd like, besides just listening to it normally. So thank you to protranscript.com for being a sponsor of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the Australian Open final. I had a great time watching it with Will of Fuzzy Yellow Balls, and we did a live video webcast and did commentary and answered questions during the match. Had a really good time doing that with him. And congratulations to Roger Federer, of course, for winning yet another Grand Slam title. Congrats to him. And I don't know about you guys, but I was really moved by Andy Murray's response and his emotions during the the trophy presentation. I, I really hope he can win a, a Grand Slam sometime soon, for both for himself and for, for the UK. I think it's just a matter of time. He, he's a great player but needs to learn how to play a little bit more aggressively. But hopefully you all enjoyed watching the match as well. And I can't wait for the the next Grand Slam, the French Open. All right, let's get to today's questions. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get started on today's show. And our first question is, comes to us from Francisco in Uvalde, Texas, which is a little bit west of San Antonio. He wrote to me and said, hey, Ian, I have a few questions, and we're going to take his questions one at a time here. He's got three great questions that I'm going to get to today. His first one has to do with how to maintain a high level of focus or play during practice. He said, I was recently hitting with a friend of mine and was hitting really good for about the first hour, and then we took a break, and I couldn't hit as well. I was making more mistakes than before. I don't know what happened. Well, Francisco, I've got... This is going to be a relatively short answer. I've talked about this in the past on the podcast, about how to practice effectively. In fact, I've, I've done a whole episode on how to put together a practice session, which was, I think, specifically for singles, but go check that out in the archives. I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head which episode it was, but if you just do a page search for practice, you should be able to find it pretty quickly. Now, I, I basically have two tips for you. I have two pieces of advice for you to be able to maintain a higher level of quality and a higher level of concentration in your practice play. First of all, you need to have a plan. And this is probably the number one mistake that amateur players have when it comes to their practice sessions 
And this is the number one reason why amateur players or club-level players don't have very productive or very high-in-focus practice sessions is they don't have any kind of plan. They walk out onto the court with their tennis bags, their rackets, you know, tennis uh, balls, and their water, and they go out there and they just hit. Now, it's certainly better than nothing, and if you're happy just doing that, and you, you know, you're getting what you want out of tennis by going out there and just hitting balls back and forth and without any r- real focus to what you're doing, then that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to yell at you for, for not being super organized about it. Uh, it it's perfectly fine if you want to go out and just hit the ball and you're happy with that. But if you want to improve faster and if you want to hit better more consistently and not have these letdowns like what Francisco is describing, let me encourage you, I, I strongly encourage you to walk out onto the practice court with your practice partner and a, a written plan. Write it, sit down, think about what you need to work on and write it down ahead of time. And I've got four things that I, that I think you should do when it comes to having a plan in your practice sessions. First of all, make sure that you have specific drills. And this does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be fancy. If I personally was going out to practice for for my tennis game right now, uh, if I was going out with with a partner who was my level, I what I would probably follow would be something like this. I'd go out and we would start off with short courts, rallying from the service line for a couple of minutes. We would then rally down the middle of the baseline for probably 15-20 minutes. We would then rally cross court from the baseline with a specific target in mind. And that would be to the correct half of the courts and past the service line. And we'd probably do that on each half of the courts for 10 or 15 minutes each. I would then want to do volleys. And we would do that by having myself at the nets, him at the baseline. And we could either just go down the, down the middle of the courts or also direct the ball to each half of the court as well. I would do overheads mixed in with volleys. And then we would do serves and returns. And doing that's basically just a little bit of everything. And that would probably take myself and somebody the same level as me. If, if we did this specifically to pr- work on our games, it would probably take us an hour or an hour and a half or so. And then after that, we would probably compete. So have specific drills like that. And if there's a part of your game that you really need to work on, that's just obviously much weaker. Like for myself, that would be my backhand ground stroke. Spend more time on that or come up with different drills just to work on that. Now, that's number, that's number one, have specific drills. Number two in, in my outline for having a plan is have specific goals or achievements for each drill. So let's say, for example, I, I said I would want to work a little more on my cross-court backhand from the baseline. When I say specific goals or achievements, I would put a cone out there, or if we didn't have a target, I, I would I would pick a specific place on the court, and that would be between the service line and the baseline. And I'm left-handed, so my cross court backhand is across over on the deuce half of the court. So I would aim for that box in the in the back part of the court, and me and my partner would rally until I hit a total of let's say 50 backhands that land in that area on the court. Or maybe me and my partner would keep track of our shots together and we would go until combined we've hit 100 good cross-court shots 
on the baseline on the deuce half of the courts past the service line. So that would be an example of a specific goal or achievement. Or if you have targets, if you have some, you know, some little plastic cones to use, maybe we could go until each of us hits our target three times or until as a team, we knock down the targets five times, something like that. This is going to help you keep your focus and concentrate on what you're doing as opposed to, again, just hitting the ball and not really having a target or a purpose. So make sure you have a specific goal, a specific achievement, and make targets a big part of that. It doesn't have to be a physical target. It can be a certain area on the court as well. Thirdly, make sure that you put in competitive games and put something on the line during your practice session. And this could be ground stroke games from the baseline. It could be games working on specific parts of your game, maybe an approaching game, working on your volleys and on your partner's passing shots, whatever. But come up, or or it could just be set play as well. It could just be match play. But come up with specific ways to compete. And then, again, put something on the line. Make it worth something. And this could be sprints afterwards, some kind of you know workout. It could be push-ups. A loser has to do... 20 push-ups or 50 push-ups, make it something that neither of you guys really want to do afterwards so that it puts a little bit of pressure on both of you. And this is really important because it's going to train you to be a better competitor. It's going to train you to be more focused and to compete at a higher level. So that's number three, competitive games with something on the line. And then fourthly, stay on task. Have the the concentration and have the, the focus to stick with your plan Well, first of all, to have a plan, go in there with a plan, and then stick with it. That's number four. So that that all falls under the category of have a plan when you go out there to practice. And underneath underneath that heading, four things. Have specific drills. Have specific goals or achievements in mind for each drill. Do competitive games with something on the line. And stay on task. If you do those four things, Francisco, I guarantee you, you will have more productive practice sessions and you will not have these letdowns. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. You're, you're still going to have game, uh, days where your, your game varies and you're going to have good sections and bad, bad sections of your practice. And you're not always going to play 100% every single time you walk out onto the court. That's just a given. But you're going to consistently play better when you actually have the focus to to have a game plan like this. Now, lastly, I, I said there was two two things I was going to tell you to improve this. Number one was have a plan. Number two, practice your practice sessions with a plan and staying on task. And so once you learn how to have a plan and go out there and, and make the most of your time on the practice court, you need to practice doing it. And you need to continue to do it until it becomes a habit. And at that point, uh, your game will start to improve faster. You guys are all listening. Uh, those of you listening to the podcast right now are listening because you want to improve your games. I, I would love to, to see a survey of everybody listening right now and see how many people are doing all four of the outlined items that I, I talked about, about having a plan in their practice session. If I had to bet, I, I would bet that out of the club players, people who aren't on a tennis team who have the, the benefit of having a coach set this kind of practice up for them, I would bet that less than 10% of you listening do anything like this now. 
And so that leaves most of you with a, a way that you can really improve your tennis game. Uh, so have the concentration to go out and do this with your practice partner. Francisco, thanks for the great question. All right, I'm now going to take a couple seconds here, and I want to communicate my appreciation to a couple of very important people this past week. I had three new people donate to Essential Tennis, uh, to the podcast, and I just want to thank those people briefly before I get to my next question. First of all, Richard in Massachusetts sent a $15 donation. Thank you, Richard. John M. in Texas who was with me in Palm Springs for the last Essential Tennis Clinic. He started a $5 a month subscription donation. John, thanks very much for your support. I appreciate that very much. And lastly, Ben in Utah, who also was at the clinic in Palm Springs, California. Ben uh, sent a little note with his donation and said that he's going to send a $5 donation for every win that he has in the tournaments that he's playing, USTA tournaments. So he sent me a $10 donation for the the two wins that he had this past December in the last tournament that he played. I I think that's really cool. That's a a creative way and and a, a cool way to give back to Essential Tennis and uh, and and donate for every win. Ben, I, I think that's awesome. And Ben, thank you for your support as well. So all three of you guys, Richard, John, and Ben, Thank you guys so much for your support, and if the Essential Tennis Podcast has improved your tennis game and, and helped you out, please help me out by donating. It doesn't have to be a lot, but every little bit helps with uh, the expenses I have here as I run the website. Just go to EssentialTennis.com and click on the big button on the bottom that says Donate. Okay, moving on to the second and third questions from Francisco in Texas. He's got some great questions about tennis strategy now. And I enjoy talking about strategy a lot because it's a, a, another big way that you guys can improve your tennis games. And it's not like stroke technique where it really takes a lot of repetition and hard work and it takes a lot of patience strategy is something that you can improve very quickly. It kind of just takes awareness and it it does take practice as well to be able to implement it correctly over and over again. But I think it's a really great way for you guys to be more aware of, of ways that you can change the way you're playing in order to be more successful. Now, his second question is, how do you know when to change the direction or hit greater angles or go for, for a more aggressive shot? My sister had played in a USTA tournament, and even though she was consistent and kept getting everything in, she still lost. I feel like if she had been a bit more aggressive or, or changed the direction of the ball on short balls, she might have won more points and maybe the match. She lost 6-1, 6-7, 8-10 in the tiebreaker. Well, Francisco, this question really makes me think about the match between Andy Murray and Roger Federer just last night here, here in the U.S. It was last night. Um, and in that match, we saw Andy Murray, who's uh, very, very steady. He's patient. 
He likes to try a wide variety of shots, and he kind of likes to play little cat and mouse type games a lot of times. But but he's very his game style is very steady and consistent. It's not that he never hits the ball hard. He certainly has weapons, but his kind of default game style is to just be slow and steady from a professional perspective. <laughs> he obviously hits the ball much much harder than most of us do. Uh, well, pretty much all of us. But from a profes- from a professional player's standpoint, he's he's slow and steady. Now he should have been more aggressive last night against Roger Federer, and it's kind of a very similar situation from what you're describing with your sister. Federer came out very aggressive, pressuring Murray, and Murray really didn't try to go right back at him until the third set. And even then, when he when he did a good job of that and he got up a break, he went right back to just being steady again, and Federer put the pressure right back on him and, and got the break back. And so this is a very similar type of scenario as what you're describing. Consistency will only get you so far in tennis, and there's obviously different degrees of consistency, and there's consistency within different levels of strokes. In other words, you can be a very consistent player at a 3.0 level, hitting 3.0 level shots, but just because you're consistent there doesn't mean you're going to beat a 4-5 or five player who's, uh, who's just an average 4.5 player. It, it doesn't work that way. Consistency is, is different from level to level. However, within her own level, she's going to have to develop some weapons or some angles, or some different strategies at some point if she wants to move up a completely to a completely new level and challenge players that are, that are above her right now. So at some point, she must develop weapons. And when, are you, when should you change what you're doing? It really is your question here. When should you start going for more angles? When should you start being more aggressive? And the answer to that is when it becomes clear that your opponents can out-hit you consistently. And what you don't do is go out there, let's say your sister's A game is, is to be steady and consistent. And I think that's great, by the way. I think that should be the, the first thing that you learn as a tennis player is just how to be steady and keep the ball in play. But you don't want to go away from that strategy too early. If it's, let's say, uh, 2-2 in the opening set of your match and your opponent hits a huge forehand winner that you're not even close to touching... Uh, and maybe he's hit that twice now. You guys have played four games. You're you're in your fifth game right now, and he's hit this winner really, a really big forehand winner twice in the match. That's not the time to go ahead and change your game plan. Uh, you're staying even with him. This is a competitive match. Maybe at some point later in the set, you you might have to pick it up a little bit to finally get that edge and win the set. But this is not the time to jump ship and change your strategy or change your sister's strategy. Uh, when you would want to change is is when it's clear they're beating you on a consistent basis. So if they win the first three games in a row and you really haven't made an unforced error yet, you're being very steady and consistent, but you're losing 0-3, at that point, you've got to say to yourself, okay, well, this is clearly not working. I'm not missing, but my opponent is just that much better than me right now. They're hitting shots that are that much stronger, and so I've, you've got to do something better. You have to start pressuring them more. Just putting the ball in play is not good enough. So... It depends on the situation, who you're playing against, and exactly how well they're playing. 
to determine exactly when you want to change up that game that gameplay. But starting off steady and consistent is not bad. That's a great way to start off a match. Now, let's go to his third question, and it's also a strategic question. Do you change how hard you hit or strategy according to player? For example, if it is a pusher slash counterpuncher, do you move them around more and go for more directional change? And against a hard-hitting player, do you play it consistent and get, and get it in as many times as you can? This one is also for my sister. She played consistent against a pusher slash counterpuncher and lost, and also lost against an aggressive baseliner. How would she have played these matches differently? Would she go for more on her shots? Well, that's a really good question, Francisco. And what you're asking would be a great uh, product, actually, to, to kind of lay out every different type of, of game play or every different style of tennis play. And you name a couple here, pusher, counterpuncher, uh, aggressive baseline player, other types of players you might play are maybe somebody who's just really aggressive on every shot, uh, maybe a net rusher, somebody who, who comes to, net, to, to the net a lot, um, an all-court steady person. Um, I, there, there's all kinds of different descriptors that we can put on different types of players. And in general, there's usually a strategy that's probably best to play against them. It's not always the case. And, and within each of these different types of players, there's also many different subsets. Everybody's a little different. And this is part of what makes tennis fun, interesting, and also very frustrating at times, is that everybody you play is going to have different strengths and weaknesses. And so you have to learn how to adjust. And so in, uh, in short, my, my answer to your first question, Francisco asked, do you change how hard you hit or your strategy according to the player? And my answer to that is yes. Yes, yes, yes. You need to know how to change your game up and change your strategy based on your opponents. That is what strategy and tactics is, is being able to change up your game based on your opponents. You have to be able to do that. Uh, you should have an A game. I put that in, in quotations, you know, uh, an A game where this is, this is what kind of suits your strengths best and this is your style of play. And for me... Uh, personally, I, I never really did a good job in my competitive years of, of doing that. I, I kind of would just go out and just hit, try to hit good shots. And I never really had a really focused style of play or strategy out of the gate where I knew, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I knew what my strengths and weaknesses were, but I didn't really have a, a style mapped out that I was going to try to stick with. So you should have an, an A game, and that's, that's what you should start your match off with and, and see how things progress. If you're winning, then don't change anything and stick with it and, and stick with your strengths and what you're comfortable with, and that's going to work out fine. But if you're losing, and if you're losing consistently and it becomes apparent that, that this is not working out, you have to be able to adjust based on the strengths and weaknesses of your opponents. Now, I, real quickly, I'm going to go over four different types of players and real briefly give you an example of what you would have to try to do against those players. Number one, the pusher slash counterpuncher. You have to be able to pressure and attack, but be steady and consistent at the same time. Just being steady and consistent against a pusher is usually not going to be good enough because that is their gameplay. <laughs> That's their style of play. And nothing can be more boring than watching two pushers <laughs> play each other. 
because neither of them are good at attacking, and it just becomes a push fest back and forth. So if you want to beat a pusher, you have to be able to pressure them somehow. And Francisco pointed out hitting the ball harder, hitting more angles, etc. You have to be able to do that against a pusher and do it steadily because if you miss every time you try to hit the ball a little harder or you miss every time you try to open up the court by hitting angles, then obviously the pusher is going to win anyway. Uh, and on the other hand, if you just push back, they're probably probably going to win as well because now you're playing their style of game. And this is why the pushers are so frustrating and uh, so tough to play for most people. And by the way, go to the archives. I've done a show just on playing pushers. You might want to check that out. So that's style number one, the pusher. Style number two, super aggressive dummy <laughs> is what I wrote down. And you're going to play people who just love to hit the ball hard. And they're very aggressive on every shot. And this is kind of a style that I'm, I'm guilty of having played in the past. And uh, just go somebody who goes out and tries to hit everything hard. And this is somebody you want to be steady and patient with. Don't try to out-hit them. When they come out in the first game and hit every shot really hard, don't be intimidated by that if they only make 75% of them, certainly if they only make half of their shots. And, and the, one, the half that they do make are like incredible and hard and really tough, but the, then they miss the other half because they're trying to be so aggressive. You want to be steady and patient against this type of player. Don't try to out-hit them. Allow them to make mistakes. That's number two. Style number three is the net rusher. And when you play somebody who makes it apparent very early that they're going to come to the net a lot, you have to be prepared in advance to be able to hit aggressive and accurate passing shots. Uh, and that's just that's just how it is. <laughs> if they're coming to the net every point, you have to have the ability of passing them. You can't give them a lot of volleys because that's what they're hoping for. And they want to be able to work the point from the net. Being able to hit good lobs would also be very valuable. Also, if you hit deep ground strokes to begin each point, you're going to keep them off the net a little bit more often. Lastly, the all-court, steady, and aggressive player. And this is somebody who's just a level or a half a level above you. They're able to hit good shots from anywhere on the court. They're able to hit aggressive shots from anywhere on the court. And it just seems like, man, this, this person just, just has it all. They're just really good. And they're, they're a level above me. And when you play this type of player, you have no choice. You have to uh, elevate your game and try to out-hit them over and over again. You cannot just be steady and hope for them to make mistakes because they're better than you are at that point in time. And you have to elevate your game and at least try it. And that means that you might make some more errors than you usually do. But if you don't try something, they're just going to take over every point and beat you anyway. And this is kind of what happened with, with Murray the other night, is he played Roger, who was attacking as often as he could. He was attacking very steadily. And so for Murray to just be consistent wasn't good enough. And he had to elevate the level of his game and go for more than what maybe he would normally be comfortable for, or be comfortable with, rather. So, Francisco, that's a, a brief overview of several different types of players and how you would change up your strategy and your gameplay according to the player. And this is real important uh, for you and your sister and for everybody else listening. Hopefully your sister listens to the podcast as well, and she needs to go out and start practicing these different styles of play for herself so that when she plays different 
opponents, she's able to actually change her game up and, and do the right thing. She should not be playing the exact same gameplay for every opponent because different opponents are going to are going to react differently, and they're going to have different strengths that are either going to be good or bad depending on the situation. Francisco, thank you very much for your your great questions today, and hopefully my answers have been helpful. Please feel free to let me know if you have any further questions on any of this. And everybody else listening, uh, I've I've got a list of questions from people to answer on on the podcast. If you'd like your question to be featured on the show, send me an email at ian at essentialtennis.com. All right, that does it for the Essential Tennis Podcast, episode number 103. Thank you very much for joining me today on the show. I appreciate it. For my shout-outs for today, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of Essential Tennis listeners and members who joined myself and Will to watch the Australian Open final live, which shows some dedication here in the U.S. since the match started at 3.30 in the morning here on the the East Coast. But the people that uh, who said hi... Uh, in the chat room during the show were Steve, Fight Fan, and Charles, to name three. Those three, uh, I, re- I remember just off the top of my head. If there was more of you in there, I and there probably was, uh, I apologize for, for not remembering. Um, it, it was not remembering right now. I'll probably remember a couple people later and, and kick myself. But thank you to you three for joining us. And throughout that show, over 3,000 people tuned in to, to watch our commentary so we're we're really happy with that, and we definitely intend on doing it for the other Grand Slams this year at least. So look for that, and I'll be looking forward to interacting with you guys during the next Grand Slam final event. All right, that does it for this week. Thank you very much again, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next week. Have a great week, and good luck with your tennis. 